Hey friends, Dan Schreiner here with the Disciple Henson Podcast. In Michael's final sermon on Philemon, he talked about the things that influence us. We're being influenced all the time, but what is it that shapes us and forms our convictions? Well, I invited my friend Jeff Lassine to talk about the idea of convictions and how scripture transforms us by the renewing of our minds. Hope you're helped and encouraged by this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Pastor Jeff Lassine of Selwood Church in Selwood, Oregon, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. You asked for fancy intro music. That was pretty fancy. That was that was even more than I was hoping for. You're welcome. Jeff, you used to be a hippie. Uh, this is true. Yeah, we're going there. Um, anything from your life today that would be reminiscent of your hippie days? From my life today? Yeah, like anything that would be hippie-like quality. <laughs> I like the outdoors. I like camping. Okay. You know? Yeah. I like... I don't mind skipping a day for showering when, you know, I have a day off. Okay, let's stop right there. I see where this is going. <laughs> but Jeff, uh, most people at Henson will know who you are, but why don't you just give us a quick intro? Who are you? You know, family, work... Where'd you grow up? Uh, when and how did you come to Christ? Just give us the the brief intro to Jeff Lassine. Yeah, I um, grew up suburbs of Chicago and uh, in a first-generation Christian home. Uh, like many teenagers, kind of went off the deep end in uh, immorality and rebellion, uh, but had the foundations there to return to. Um, and, um, really, uh, the, the gospel took hold of my, my life. God took hold of my life. Uh, my first year of college after things, uh, started unraveling in my life. And how are you introduced or what was it that caused you to kind of wake up to the truth? Yeah, there were, um, some campus ministers. I was at the university of Iowa, um, that were kind of hounding me kind of being very persistent while I was not living for the Lord and uh, were just being persistent in persistent ministering the like gospel. like Hawkeyes. Like Hawkeyes. I was a Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, they were going after me. And then I had friends from uh, my, my parents' church back home, uh, a pastor in particular that would talk to me on the phone and, and remind me of the gospel and call me back to Christ. Um, and those things eventually just took hold, and God brought me graciously to repentance and faith. Praise God. And then did you know soon after that that you were going to be a pastor? You know, no, I did not. I did not. Um, I knew I wanted to give my life to ministering God's Word. Mm. I knew that um, I wanted to persuade as many people as possible to follow Jesus. Um, and But I didn't really have a heart for the church at that at those or in those early days uh, in the Lord, and uh, so that took some time. I was kind of anti-institutional, hippie-esque, uh, as as much as so uh, you were a hippie Christian. Th- there you go. Yeah, yeah. and um, so I did not go to the church right away, but kind of was trying to live for Christ on my own with kind of this. Um, 
uh, amalgam of different Christian connections, uh, people that would encourage me in Christ, and it took some time uh, for me to really get grounded and see the need for the church and then to love the church. Mm. And you you uh, came to Portland, you were introduced to us through the pastoral residency. You came mm-hmm. and did that here at Hinson. What year? Do you remember? Uh, that was 2013. So 2013, and then soon after that, you became the the pastor of Selwood In Church. January 2014. In yep. January 2014. But you had been in Oregon uh, before that. You spent some time at Multnomah. Mm-hmm. You met your wife, Chelsea, who has roots here. Yes. And yeah. And, and so we, we had—I I went to Multnomah, mm-hmm. and then uh, after my time at Multnomah, we went out to Minnesota, where I was uh, spent four years at uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church, went through the seminary program there, both for the MDiv and the THM uh, there at Bethlehem College and Seminary. Great experience there. Um, and then we wanted to come back to Portland to be involved in church revitalization. That's when I got connected to Michael. Uh, Hinson was really gracious to us in that period of time and uh, just wanting to partner with us and, and, and to find an opportunity that we could uh, get established in a church somewhere. And it was just really providential, kind of the way things lined up with the timing of when Selwood had a need, mm-hmm. reached out to Jeff Chang and Michael, mm-hmm. and, and the rest is history. Yeah, we're thankful. Um, now, you have four kids. Yes. And... How are things going at Selwood? I, I would say things are going really well. I mean, this is a tough time for our, every church, uh, but I am uh, continually encouraged by the way that the people of Selwood are uh, kind of moving through the, the present trials, uh, remaining unified by God's grace, and uh, and I feel like we're growing by God's grace God. through it all. So yeah, things are things are going well. You must have been encouraged that even during the pandemic, when we were kind of unable to gather as churches in Multnomah County, you had almost a hundred people uh, driving to Marion County so mm-hmm. that you guys could worship outdoors during yeah. the summertime yeah. for a few months. Yeah, I mean that's so, what a great sign that people would be willing to drive and and do that. Yeah, so our our pre-COVID attendance as a church was 101 on average, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had almost that many people uh, for a couple of Sundays driving out to Marion County, uh, 35 minutes away from our church building, just to gather and be together and take the Lord's Supper together, worship together. And that, yes, that encouraged my heart greatly. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. You've been great. <laughs> Actually, uh, we want to. I want to talk to you about um, the discipline of biblical conviction, mm. um, and this will be kind of a fluid conversation. Just go with it. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I have a few questions for you. Let's right. just let's just talk through uh, biblical convictions. We kind of have this ongoing series on sanctification in the Christian life here on the on the show. Um, first, how is morality related to absolute truth? Yeah, I, I think that a discussion of absolute morality, when we're, when we're talking about a morality that must govern everyone as opposed to a relative morality, is also by nature a discussion of absolute truth. Um, in order for there to be a genuine absolute morality that governs all persons at all times and all places, regardless of how they think or feel, uh, and in order for that to be the case, there must be 
absolute truth. If there's no absolute truth, there can be no absolute morality as a standard for all people at all times and all places. So when we're talking about morality, we must talk about truth. Absolute morality, absolute truth. Okay, that's helpful. Right now, um, I'm in the midst of a preaching series on the letters of John, mm-hmm. and so we're, we got Third John coming, I guess, by the time people have listened to this, they'll have, God willing, heard a sermon on Third John, and there's lots of references in Second and Third John, particularly to the truth, yeah. like, um, and walking in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um and yet, so as as believers, we believe we have the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. We have uh, commands in scripture that um, tell us how to, to walk in the truth. Mm-hmm. And yet we all too often don't see that in the church being played out. All too often there's there seems to be little differences be, difference between um, Christians and non-Christians when it comes to morality, when it comes to divorce rates, when it comes to the uh, different idolatries of, of wealth and riches and materialism and things. So what do you account for that? Is our, is our truth to blame? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's an interesting way to a- ask the question. I would say, on one hand... I would ask, what are we talking about the church and who Christians are? Good, uh, because I think I think um, yeah, for Christians there should be a difference. There should be a clear difference between the way we live, uh, not just what we believe, but the way we live and the world. And the reason there isn't oftentimes is because there's a real uh, uh, one term for this would be a cognitive dissonance that where we think certain things, but it doesn't actually compute into our actions. And this um, kind of dichotomy or divergence from what we think and what we do uh, shouldn't be. Um, th- there, there is what we, can, what we say we believe, our, and that can be like our, our philosophy or our theology, but then there is what we are actually functionally believing that governs our actions. So, you know, we can compartmentalize things and say, oh, this is my theology or my philosophy, but we don't actually believe it. It's, it would be the difference between saying, I believe this chair can hold my weight, but, but having enough skepticism to not sit in the chair. But when I'm actually choosing to sit in the chair, it's like, no, I, that takes some trust, that takes some belief, and it actually changes my actions. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Uh, Mark Devery always uses the illustration. Always, <laughs> every time he every talks, time you talk to him, he, he uses the illustration. I think he might have gotten this from uh, the Matthias Media guys in Australia. But Blondin and Niagara Falls, and like you know, going across in the tightrope walk, and a journalist says, "Like I believe you can do it," and he says, well, "Okay, then get in the wheelbarrow, and I'm going to wheel you across." <laughs> you know, put your <laughs> money cool. where your mouth is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we want to have we want to have biblical convictions. We don't want to just compartmentalize, have that cognitive dissonance like you're talking about. But we want biblical convictions. Um, take take a minute to think about this because I didn't really prepare you for for this. But like, how do we develop biblical convictions? How do how does it? How can what we you know what we say we believe about God's word? Like actually change the way that we live? Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts on how to? De- to develop those like true biblical convictions that aren't shaped by the the world, the flesh, the devil, yeah. but actually have it based on God's word. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's multiple components to this. Um, you know, the one of the things we we talked about in this previous exchange is 
um, and I think this is related to it, uh, the changing our will, changing our affections, changing what we really believe. And there's a sense in which we can expose ourselves to these truths, uh, but we're really dependent on God to actually move our minds, to move our hearts in the way that they should go. And so I would say uh, we shouldn't just read the Bible, but we should prayerfully read the Bible. We should read it in a sense of looking to God to actually conform our hearts, to conform our minds, to conform our lives to his word and to his will. Um, and that's a prayerful reading of Scripture. Another thing is is surrounding ourselves with the church, with a community of people that are going to help us um, to, to live this out, to believe these things, uh, to convince us of the truthfulness of these things that we know are true, but maybe aren't quite living out the way that we know that we need to be living out, where we're ha- experiencing this cognitive dissonance. And so we, we have these brothers and sisters in our lives that are cheering us on, that are, that are pointing us in the right direction, that are convincing us of what is right. So I, and, and then, uh, um, yeah, as far as renewing ourselves regularly with the Word, that it needs to be a constant in our lives. Um, it can't be—we can't expect that, you know, if we're watching Netflix for five hours a day and we're doing devotions for 20 minutes a week, you know, what's going to have—what's going to be the louder voice in our hearts and minds? We can't expect that that Scripture is going to play the prominent role when we're making decisions, if it, if it takes up so little of our time as far as meditation and thinking on it. So that that's helpful, Jeff. If you were to like uh, have a continuum, on one end we're being influenced by the world, mm-hmm. and on the other end by God through his word, um, how might you discern where you are on that continuum if you're further over towards the world or if you're further over towards being influenced, because we're we're being influenced by lots of things all the time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. how, how might you kind of know where you're at, like mm-hmm. honestly, because we often think of ourselves a little bit more yeah. charitably than maybe we ought. Uh, I think that's a really good question. I, you know, one my first instinct would be to say, ask your ask your wife, ask ask your friends. Do I is my impulse to look to God's word? Mm. Uh, or is it to look to kind of worldly counsel? Hmm. You know, when I'm making a big decision in my life, um, is it my my heart impulse to think what is God's? How does God's word inform me on this? Or is it to call my friend who's a lawyer or a banker or a, you know, um, or is it to call my pastor and mm. say, hey, I, here's the big decision. What does God's word say mm-hmm. about these things? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, am I, or am I looking to, towards the expertise of the world first? That's really helpful. These things, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we want to talk about this. I think I couldn't help but think of Romans 12, too, as you're talking. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing mm-hmm. of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God? So I just want to ask, like, kind of what that looks like in your life and in the life of your church, that uh, that transformation, that transforming by the renewing of your mind um, on a regular basis— um, 
what does it look like to practically to meditate on God's truth day and night, mm-hmm. the way that the scriptures talk about it, to be praying without ceasing? What, what is that? Because sometimes that can be discouraging. Because, like, sure. you know, a few, a few minutes ago, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't praying. I was going about my day and wasn't really. I was going to about... talk to you about that. Oh, but... thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's a really good question, and I, I don't think these scripture verses um, that are are talking about, you know, meditating on God's word day and night, are are saying that you you can never watch a, a ball game or you can never read a different book. You can never be thinking about, you can never have a normal conversation with your wife. Uh, but they're saying the, the scriptures should saturate your, your thinking and throughout the day be a part of your routines. Um, and you should be thinking on them. You should be turning to them. Um, and, you know, there, there are certainly ways that I feel like our church at Selwood, our rhythms, reflect this, and there's ways that we need to grow in this as well. So I don't want to hold my life up, certainly, or or uh, Selwood, our routines, as the example, but there are, there are ways that we make this a part of our lives. One thing for me that I've learned is that whenever I'm meeting with another brother, uh, most days of the week, you know, I'm meeting with somebody for lunch and maybe for coffee, maybe someone in the afternoon as well. Or I'm having a staff meeting, or I'm meeting with the elders. Um, I want to open God's Word during Mm. that time. Mm. Uh, Ideally, just like randomly, (laughs) just like what do we got here? (laughs) What? What? Let's just let's see what page we're on here. Yeah. Yeah, No. No. Usually, uh, I'm opening it up either to uh, the previous week's sermon text, Mm. the coming week's sermon text, or our weekly memory verse. Uh, Sometimes I'll do. Two of those things. When you say our weekly memory verse, because that's something we don't do here at Henson, mm-hmm. uh, are, are you talking about your whole church has a weekly memory verse, or is it just you personally? Yeah, no, we ha- our church has uh, a set of, of three years' worth of memory verses that the elders have selected, um, you know, so three times 52, 156 different uh, memory verses that we think are would be good for our church to hide in their hearts. So every three years we cycle through them. Um, and some of them are longer passages of Scripture, so we'll be building week to week on a passage of Scripture, and some of them are shorter passages of Scripture. And What if, if you're bad at memorizing? Can you not be a part of Selwood? <laughs> no, <laughs> trust me. I, I think we're all pretty bad at memorizing at Selwood. As you can see by our on Sunday nights, what happens is one of the things I do on Sunday evenings at our prayer service is I ask, who's got the memory verse memorized? And sometimes it'll be some blank stares, like, uh, didn't do it this week, that kind of thing. So we've been better at it at some seasons of our church's life and emphasized it more than other seasons, but it's still there. It's given every week. Sometimes if no no one's giving it, I'll give it, you know, and, and recite it to the church. And there'll be other weeks where I haven't memorized it myself. Do you ever have one of your kids in the back with like cue cards to help you? <laughs> so I Pastor have, Dad doesn't look bad? I have said in the past, and if you're listening at Selwood Church, this is the way I've cheated at times, is said, kids, I need one of you to memorize the verse this week just in case nobody else does. <laughs> um, so, but it's something that we we strive to do. Yeah, you know, it's something yeah. we want to do. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to set ourselves goals for growth, you know, and give give the church tools 
in which they can hide God's Word in their heart and together. Uh, so it's something we want to be more a part of our life as a church. Uh, but so, yeah, so we open, I'll open to one of those scripture passages before a meeting, and it just kind of sets the tone mm. for, our, for our meeting, w- what we're discussing, the kind of counsel we're giving one another, you know, the things that we're talking about hopefully will be seasoned by God's Word. And uh, we'll be reminded we're not just speaking, giving advice, but hopefully we're looking to God's Word together as we meet together. I love that foundation. So often I know, though, in my own life, uh, the Christian life becomes about duty and just checking things off, and I do this because that's what good Christians do. But can you think of a time in your life personally or in the life of your church where you saw good fruit born, kind of spiritually, joy or victory against temptation, uh, and the Lord used some of the, the word hidden in your heart or in the heart of one of your members. Can you think of it like an instance where, where yeah. a story or something? Yeah, actually, so this practice of scripture memorization was, was and I'm not one that uh, does it well, but I learned that at Bethlehem mm-hmm. when I was there at Bethlehem. Fighter verses. Fighter verses, I remember right. fighter verses. And one fighter verse that I happened to memorize. I didn't memorize them all. I wasn't good at it every week or whatever, but it was from Psalm 62, starting in verse 8. Uh, and now now I'm being put on the spot here, but uh, for, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, uh, my refuge, I shall not be shaken. Uh and something along those lines. Trust in trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Uh, and so, and I, I've used that. Uh, I know I didn't get it all right, but I've used that memory verse at times. That that one will pop into my head, hmm. especially the the first few lines of that. That um, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my help is from him. My hope is from him. And um, in times of pain or distress, when I'm counseling somebody, when I'm at the hospital call, and there's no, you know, good explanation for what what is going on, and it's hard to give someone comfort, um, I'll just recite that scripture verse, and it's helped people hmm. that hmm. that we can we don't have to have words for this moment, Mm -hmm. but we can rest our hearts in God in silence, even together. And um, and I've seen that visibly give people comfort at different times. Praise God. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. That's that's rich, brother. Um, Speaking of the Psalms, as you know, Psalm 1 begins, the Psalter, you know, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. Um, how How is Scripture memory related to meditation? Or talk, talk about how those two are related. Are they distinct? Are they the same? I think they are related. I, I think you could probably meditate on the Word without memorizing it, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard not to, uh, if you're memorizing the word, not to also meditate on it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're going over the words over and over again, uh, you do see things that you didn't, that you wouldn't see in just a quick reading. 
of things, and that's a form of meditation, mm-hmm. you know, of of chewing on it, of 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 really letting it sit on your mind and considering all that's being said there. And so, yeah, I think that certainly when we memorize the word, especially if we're being mindful in our memorization as we're as we're memorizing it, we are uh, we're meditating on it. Mm-hmm. And there's different ways to do that, of course, too. I mean, uh, scripture memory is a wonderful way, but as as you said, there's other ways to meditate. Absolutely. Um, I think I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, Preacher's Talk. Oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was... He, the, one of the preachers was just saying one of the ways he prepares to preach God's Word is he writes it out like longhand mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it forces him to slow down. And just kind of as you're referencing to Psalm 62, like so often we're just in a hurry, yeah. and our words just skim over the page. It's not sinking down into our hearts. Um, so it's hard to have biblical convictions if we're not, you know, sure. meditating on God's Word, and we're just kind of skimming over it Absolutely. Um, as a duty. Um, well, how do we how do we think about grace in this? Because maybe mm-hmm. maybe someone's listening to this podcast and they've never really memorized Scripture before. They recognize that they're often not meditating mm-hmm. on God's Word. Um, and if I, if I know that, you know, God's approval of me, um, is not based on my performance, um, you know, why, why even try mm-hmm. to memorize and meditate on God's word if we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus, if he accepts us because of the righteousness of Christ, you know, oh, why, why bother doing the hard work? I mean, it's a discipline, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. So what would, you, what would you say to someone who's kind of thinking that or functionally kind of falls into just, you know, mm-hmm. floating because, yeah, I'm saved? Well, well first, I want to celebrate what they have right, because, mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to move too fast past that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're absolutely right that we do not memorize Scripture or hide God's Word in our heart in order to gain His approval. Uh, and that's glorious news. It's it's a miserable thing to be in a place where you're doing your regular devotions and all of these things because you're feeling like you need to earn God's favor. Uh, you need to earn your sonship before God or anything like that. You you have it in Christ, and that's and that motivates us. You know, we we want to go now to God and learn from Him as our Father, as as the one who's accepted us and received us, and and grace doesn't just accept and receive us. You know, Titus two eleven through fourteen, grace trains us. Mm-hmm. You know, the same grace that saves us, it trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live godly lives in the present age as we wait for the coming of, of our Lord. Uh, and so that, it, that grace that's begun, that same grace that's begun this work, that's, that's received us, uh, also trains us. And the way that we are trained, the way that we are renewed, the way that we grow in godliness is through the Word doing its work on our hearts. Uh, So we need God's Word in that whole process. Amen. Brother, that's a great note to end on. Thanks, Jeff, for coming on and having this conversation, and we continue to pray for for you and your ministry at Selwood. We're so thankful for what God's doing there. Hinson is such a blessing to us. We're thankful. 